Good morning. It's a Tuesday, and it is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. And as some of you know, it was a woeful night on Monday for New England sports fans as the Windy City teams blew out their opposition. The Chicago Bears embarrassed the Patriots 33-14, and after getting out to a big lead, the Chicago Bulls humiliated the Celtics 120-102. So we're going to put that behind us right now, and we're going to have some fun this morning here uh, inside our WKXL uh, plush but not overly ostentatious studios here in Concord. And uh, welcome back to the show, Howard Pearl. Howard, great to have you back. Hey, good morning, Ken. But I think the first time in studio, right? You've it, been on the phone a couple of it times. It is, and uh, ostentatious was the first word that came to mind Isn't when I it? walked in here. Really, it is an amazing place. <laughs> it's been around for 76 years, and uh, doesn't look a, a, a day over 100, does it? But, no, it looks uh, good, and, looks good. <laughs> and uh, his, his wife, Heather, is here. Good morning. Good morning, Heather. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. And for those who don't know, Howard is uh, running for state senate in Senate District 17. That's a lucky number, right? I hope 17 so. 17 for some people. Hopefully it's my lucky number. And uh, he'll be taking on uh, taking on his challenger, uh, Christine Tappan. And uh, Howard, first of all, we'll, we'll start with you and uh, ask you how you and your opponent uh, differ on the issues important to uh, District 17. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate the opportunity to come on this morning, and it's always a pleasure to be on the, the show with you. And thank you. It's great to have my wife, Heather, with me it, this morning. It's great uh, to have her here. Yes, yeah, she was... A rose between two thorns, uh, absolutely. right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> She'll make us look good. <laughs> uh, so, uh, great question, and, uh, you know, I have always... Uh, worked hard to represent the, my constituents here in New Hampshire with good, responsible governance, uh, you know, good, responsible Republican values as far as controlling our, you know, our budgets and uh, making choices that were good for our businesses so that they could thrive. As, you know, many of us believe that if our businesses are healthy, their employees are healthy as well. So that's certainly an area that I uh, have tried to excel in, and we've reduced business taxes. We've reduced... Uh, the uh, property taxes for our constituents by putting a hundred million dollars back in in uh, the swept tax relief, which goes directly to our to our every landowner in New Hampshire, which is real important. It's one of the things that we're hearing is, you know, money is tight. Uh, you know, with these high energy prices and all of the uh, the high inflation that we're seeing, we've got to work hard to make sure that we're taking care of our our citizens of New Hampshire and representing them well. And I have uh, always opposed to sales and income tax. You know, we don't really know a lot about my opponent. This is the first time she has run. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet with her on a couple of occasions at candidate forums. Seems like a very nice person, but I believe that I will do a good job in representing the citizens of New Hampshire in, in District 17 that I, you know, as I've done in my three terms as a House rep. And uh, District 17, in case uh, people don't know, uh, includes Allenstown, Chichester, Deerfield, Epsom, Loudon, Northwood, Nottingham, Pembroke, Pittsfield, Raymond, and Stafford. Am I right? 
Stratford, no. I should say. Stratford. No, that was the old 17. Oh, that's the old 17. Yeah, oh, so now we have a new 17. We do. Okay. Since redistricting, we've uh, we've lost Raymond and Stratford, ah. those who've moved into two different districts, and I've picked up Barnstead, Canterbury, and Northfield. Ah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad we uh, straightened that out. So there you go. That was the old before redistricting. I, I think okay. you were just testing me to see if I knew my district. I was. I was. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I was doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Believe that, folks. Uh, and this district, uh, from, from what I understand, is about, what, 34% Republican, something like that? Uh, well, you'll find that I think it runs pretty true with most of New Hampshire that we're about one-third Republican. Well, it's actually about 30% Republican, 30% Democrat, and 40% independent yeah. in, the, in the state. And I think you're right. I think my district's a little bit – it leans red by about 4%. And, and uh, so, you know, let, let's figure that you'll get the majority of the Republican vote. And probably your opponent will get the majority of the Democratic vote. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is uh, the outcome dependent on those uh, independent voters that we have. Uh, that's absolutely correct. That That is pretty much all of New Hampshire politics is, uh, you know, is decided by that independent vote. And we're uh, we're hopeful that they're going to take a Republican ballot and vote on the Republican ticket this time around. We saw that they, they took a Republican ballot, excuse me, in the primary, and we'll hope they're going to stay with us on the general. And, you know, that when I'm out talking to my constituents, what I'm hearing is that it's the wallet issues that are really concerning sure. them, the yeah. high inflation, the high energy costs, the, the high cost of food. This inflation is hitting every family in New Hampshire. And we as Republicans have done a good job in the state here of managing our budget, and I believe we have the trust of the voters that will do a good, continue to do a good job. Now, we can't, uh, we can't change the federal policies, and a lot of it is related to federal energy policy, but we can certainly be show fiscal constraint here in New Hampshire, and we've done that. We've got over a $400 million surplus coming out of the last budget cycle, which we've used in putting you know, $30 million into local uh, roads and bridges and infrastructure in, in our municipalities. That was one thing that we did with some of the surplus. We've put some in the um, home eating oil assistance fund. These are just, <clears throat> excuse me, th- these are programs that we've tried to help where we understood there were needs within the community. So how do we get such a surplus? I mean, that's a pretty significant surplus. Well, it, it's a little bit of a complex process in the sense that the uh, the Ways and Means Committee makes revenue estimates back, you know, for two years projections, and then we build a budget around this, and we have a balanced budget amendment here in New Hampshire. So once we feel we have the right projections, we build a budget around that. Now, uh, we've got the good fortune that, you know, our, our governor has led New Hampshire wealth coming out of COVID, and we've we've done well in, uh, in our our businesses have done well. We've lowered business taxes, which has helped to uh, help them to do better. And so we just have the good fortune that our businesses are doing very well and and that we've uh, generated more revenue than anticipated. Do you find a lot of businesses uh, moving to New Hampshire from other places? There has certainly been a movement in. Uh, we, we've seen some new companies coming in. Uh, again, the, the governor has been a good ambassador about getting out there, and we've, in the legislature, along with him, uh, have created a good business environment for, you know, it's, it's inviting for them to come. You know, we still have our challenges. Certainly, uh, you know, one of the challenges on my own farm is labor, and, and it's it's the, a challenge in every business. Every business owner I talk to is, is looking, always looking for labor, and they're understaffed. And so we're always looking at ways that we can try and help that. You know, we're in a good market. Uh, you know, it's, we've got very low unemployment, and anyone who wants to work can have a job. 
You know, you, you mentioned that, and uh, on the front page of the Concord Monitor today, above the fold, they're talking about the uh, the lack of workers at the uh, dairy farms mm-hmm. uh, here in New Hampshire, and they're uh, you know looking to to hire for the for the dairy farms here in the state. Well, every farm is. Every farm. You know, I yeah. just come out of my produce growing season. We've, mm-hmm. we've wrapped things up. Uh, you know, the harvest is, is either sold or in storage, and we're working on selling it. And uh, so all summer we've been shorthanded. Mm. Ken, five years ago I had 15 employees. Today I have three. I mean, we are just so short-staffed. It's, uh, you know, in, in the agricultural world we tend to be at the lower end of the wage scale. It just our, our product isn't valuable enough to allow us to pay the kind of wages that we'd really like to pay because these are hardworking men and women that come and help us yeah, on the farm. Sure. But we uh, we have to live within the reality of our, our, you know, our product is worth X number of dollars and we have to try and, uh, you know, deliver a product to our, to the stores and grow for food for the people of New Hampshire and make sure we do it in a cost-effective manner. Has but he it doesn't put you to work, Heather? <laughs> I think my schedule is a little too busy. Oh, for, okay. For okay, that. that's good. You've got a good excuse. <laughs> uh, listen, she helps me every, everywhere and any time that I need it. She's been yeah. uh, terrific to have as a partner. Yeah. So it, it's got to be tough. How, how do you get those workers? I mean, no matter where you go, up and down any street in this state and most states these days, now, all, all you see in the store uh, windows are help wanted signs. Yeah. So how do you how do you get the workers? Sometimes we don't. Yeah. And I've had to adjust my uh, what I'm growing. My I, I honestly grow about 25 percent of what I did five years ago. Really? Because I yeah. just do not have the labor to pick it. And mm. uh, so I you know I've had to adjust accordingly. And the first year was the worst as we went into this this labor shortage because I planted as though I was going to have the same amount of labor I did right. the year before, and and it just didn't materialize as we went into the summer. And uh, it made for a very challenging summer. There were some things we did not get harvested, and honestly, the the team that I had working for me, we worked crazy hours to get what we I'll could. I'll bet. I'll and, bet. Uh, so we, we just have to adapt like every business does. That's Howard Pearl, and he is uh, running for state senate in uh, District 17. His wife, Heather, is here as well. And uh, we have to take a quick break here on Kale & Company on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 on the FM dial, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock on nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live on this Tuesday morning with a couple of in-studio guests, Howard Pearl, who is uh, running for state senate in District 17, and his wife, Heather. Great to have uh, both of them uh, with us here today. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about Howard Pearl, the person, not just the politician, (laughs) but Howard Pearl, the person. And I'm so glad that uh, Heather is here. Uh, to be able to uh, verify <clears throat> all the information that uh, we're going to ask Howard to uh, to give to us uh, today. So I know people in District 17 in particular and probably all over the state, they've heard the name Howard Pearl for years. 
uh, in the uh, state legislature in the House of Representatives for what three terms? Yes, three I, terms? I don't have to go into like a special room where I can't hear. Can uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. It's not like the new. Well, it could be like the newlywed game. Maybe, yeah, we, you know, if I if I knew Heather was coming, I we, we could have designed something like that. <laughs> this uh, is probably safe. Done, done the newlywed game. Yeah, you're uh, safer not version. to. But uh, but I know people around the district and around the state want to know more about Howard Pearl and. When did you first decide uh, that you wanted to get into politics? What gave you that uh, political urge? Well, Ken, I had a major fire back in 2003 at the farm, and it destroyed the majority of my farm. Uh, Thankfully, we saved the house and my sugar house, but basically the rest of the farm was destroyed. And during that fire, I had people that I didn't even know. There was a great threat to the house during the, during the middle of the blaze, and I had people I didn't know who they were in my house. Literally, we moved my entire, every belonging out of the house in less than 30 minutes, and I just had people coming from everywhere, stopping in cars and, and, and helping move everything out and away from the, you know, into a safer location, away from the blaze, and it really, I guess, ignited something inside of me. It made me realize that what a great community I live in, and from that, I decided that I needed to be giving back more than I was. I had started down a path of service to my community mm-hmm. in serving as a trustee of the trust fund. Just a you know, a small something I could give back, but it really ignited a passion in me to serve my community. And so uh, I went on for 20 years. In fact, this is the first time in 20 years I haven't held a municipal office within my town. Uh, I served as trustee of the trust fund for four years. I served as uh, on the zoning board as, as high as vice chair for 13 years, and, and then I also served as moderator for two years. I decided to step away from the, the town level when I was going to run for state senate because I knew this was a much larger time commitment. And I never want to take an office that I can't give 100% to. So I wanted to make sure that I stepped aside and let someone else in the community. We have a lot of great people in the community that can, could do it and let them take care of those offices. And I would go more t- focused on just the state level. Now, uh, you know, you grew up in Loudoun on the farm, uh, born in Laconia. Just just found that out during our, our last break. Uh, born in, in Laconia, but uh, grew up in Loudoun on, on the farm. Uh, now, uh, you, you had, uh, when, when you were a youngster, you had some cows on the farm, right? We did. Well, yeah. I was born in Laconia Hospital. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah we, uh, you know, my, well, obviously we came right back to the farm. So yeah. I guess my first day or two, I was in Laconia. Right. <laughs> but born there. So, <laughs> yes. But uh, grew up in Loudoun, spent all your life in, in Loudoun. I did. So when did you first milk a cow? Oh boy, uh, I'm not sure that I remember exactly. I mean, they was they were a very integral part of our childhood. We, uh, my dad, dairy farmed as well as uh, we had chickens when I was young. He had several thousand birds, and uh, we did a lot of maple syrup and a little bit on the vegetable side. But that was more of my uncles that that did that. And uh, we had cattle. Well, what that got out of the chickens when I was, I think, seven. I believe it was 1972. And then we went, uh, we still were milking and doing dairy. And as uh, there were seven of us kids, so I had an older brother. And as we got more into our early teen years, my dad started more into produce as well because he needed something to keep us busy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, we, I decided to get out of the dairy business in uh, 1998. It's a difficult business. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, God bless all those that have stayed with it. Um, it it's uh, 24-7, 365. You really have to have a commitment to your cattle, uh, as dairy cattle especially, 
you know, is equal to you would raising your children. It just takes all of your focus and attention constantly if you want them to do well. And I really like the produce side better. As I took over when I was uh, 20 years old from my dad, and, and as I got into, you know, really started understanding who I was and what I liked, I realized I liked the field crop work and the produce side better than I did the dairy. And so I, I made that change in 98, and uh, it, it was a difficult one because I'm we sure. were yeah. a multi-generational dairy farm, and yeah. I was really changing the scope and the feel of the farm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were a kid growing up on a farm, uh, you know, were you the envy of a lot of kids who said, boy, I'd like to live on a farm? <laughs> Quite the uh, opposite. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you know, there was, uh, you know, we I don't know, we, uh, there, there's a, um, there, there's a, a thought that farmers aren't always very intelligent, and I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it, <laughs> and, you know, that is something that people look at and they think that of you but i gotta tell you that uh, the day of the you know of the dumb farmer so to speak not to use a bad word but is gone uh, you have to be so adept to you know technology and changing trends and keeping up with the uh, all of the things that are changing yeah. within the equipment and and the the technology has just it's been amazing how it has changed farming especially in the maple industry oh, i'm sure it, yeah. it has been incredible we yeah. went from all buckets to when i was a kid to now we have these inter, uh, infrastructure that's you know over like almost 90 miles of pipe on my farm wow. that is all linked wow. together and it's all done there's a vacuum pulled on it and it's all set to pitch and we've just changed the technology significantly but the difference is that I can get you know over a third of a, you know basically a, a gallon of syrup per three taps where my dad was about a gallon per five taps mm. and that's the difference <clears throat> wow now, Heather, before you met Howard, did you have any exposure to uh, farm life at all? No? Not at all. No. Um, meaning Howard was so, like a whirlwind So he, he's like Eddie Albert and you're Ava Gabor, like uh, in Green Acres, right? <laughs> well, I wouldn't quite say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Only good. you're better looking. That's all. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, does, <laughs> he does pamper me quite a bit. Though. Well, <laughs> as he should, right? As Aww. as he should. Yeah. I don't so, know how he fits it in there, but right, he does. Right. But but that was your first experience with with farm life, and you did you did help him plant some crops, right? I did. Yeah. Um. In between, I would get out of a, a job, uh, out of my work for I worked a sixteen hour shift. And I would sleep for a little bit and then go out in the field and help them plant uh, the the crop mm-hmm. before I had to go shower and go right back to work. Um, it, I did, when we did meet, I did have um, chickens. Yeah. But, um, and that was a, a different thing for him because he hadn't had chickens in the, in the on the farm for a long time. Uh-huh. And uh, then I slowly mentioned to him that i had ordered ducks and turkeys as well so ducks and, and turkeys yeah huh? so we have uh chickens ducks turkeys and we have uh three guinea hens as well wow we're expanding slowly with um the animals um at a, at a pace that we both can handle um because i do work a lot and he is on the go all the time yeah. i don't know i i thought i worked a lot but He's like on the go 24-7. He must be because I know he's called uh, the show a couple of times doing his uh, produce runs. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you do those on a regular basis. And you must have to get up uh, pretty early in the morning to start those. 
the produce world is very early. But yeah. It, listen, Heather is selling herself short. She uh, she does God's work. She is a, an LNA and and does work that I could never do in the way that she cares for her pe- people in dementia and, and hospice, and it's amazing. Uh, she's just incredible at what she does. She has a a, a real gift and a real uh, you know just just amazing. I, I I don't have any other word. Yeah. I'm well. just always impressed with the the level of care that she is able to provide and the compassion that she does. Yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed, too, by uh, people who work in that industry. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous service, and we applaud to all of you uh, that work in, in health care and yeah. uh, helping to get people well and stay well. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so we, we applaud you for that, and we applaud the farmers yeah. as well. Otherwise, uh, our tables uh, would not be full at night of uh, great vegetables and, and uh and the like. Well, thank you. We try real hard. You know, the uh, the agricultural industry in New Hampshire is is strong and well, and it's it's more than some people realize. We're still a very rural community in most of our uh, most of our state, and there's uh, there's an agricultural component to almost every community, even in the city areas. I used to operate and I own and operate a fertilizer distribution business here in Concord and another in Sterling, Mass. And I was amazed one day when I had to deliver a truckload of fertilizer right into downtown Manchester into one of the communities. And the, the gentleman had a very large size lot and he had tomato plants planted within two or three feet of the pavement and uh, on the street. And it was just impressive. He had a little farm stand. and It was awesome. Well, you hear that music? We have to uh, mosey on out of here for a couple of minutes, but we'll be back. We want to hear more about Howard Pearl. We want to hear more about uh, Heather Pearl and... Uh, We'll continue right after these words here on WKXL. It's Kale and Company live for Tuesday, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond. We will be right back. Welcome back. It's Kale and Company live here on this Tuesday. Great to have you along with us. Joining us in studio, Howard Pearl and his wife, Heather. And, you know, we're just happy to talk about anything else but the Patriots today after uh, <laughs> after what happened uh, last night. Howard is running for state senate. He's currently a member of the House of Representatives and has been for the last uh, three terms, but uh, decided to... Uh, uh, take a shot at it and and go for the uh, the Senate, and was that a, a difficult decision to make, Howard? Having been in the House for for three terms, six years, uh, was that uh, something that you had to ponder for a while? No, I am. I've been wanting to do this for quite a long time. I was sort of preparing myself for it when the uh, seat became available that I'd be ready to to step up. And so, uh, when Senator Reagan announced that he was not running again, I stepped up and said. I'm ready. Let's go. You're the guy. Let's hope. Pl- plenty of experience uh, under the Golden Dome and uh, with uh, various committees and so on uh, in, in Loudoun. Uh, you have uh, plenty of experience for the job. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's not two weeks from today is the big day. It is. Yeah. It is. And I certainly want to encourage everyone to to get out there and vote. You know, we, we're seeing record high inflation. We're seeing, you know, just things that we don't like that aren't aren't working well within our daily lives. We've had seen large attacks on uh, 
you know, parental rights, and we've we've just we want to make sure that we're protecting those in in New Hampshire. We want to make sure that we're helping to get the uh, the educations uh, the uh, education uh, the EFAs the freedom account, excuse me, the educational freedom account so that children can decide, you know, parents can decide where their children can learn the best. Mm-hmm. I, that's real important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids were, were grown and out of the house, and when Heather and I got married, she brought seven of her children over, so we have a very large family between us. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is it brought me back to having two teenage daughters at home again. I had been out of the school system for many years as my children are, are grown and have families of their own. And... Uh, I was surprised, to say the least. I, I hear about it at the state house, but I, when I started looking and talk at the work that the girls are bringing home and, and talking with them about just the general culture of what's going on at school, it very much cemented to me that I needed to make sure that these the parents had the right to decide where their children are going to school and how they learn the best. And so, I've always strongly supported. Uh, you know the the charter schools and yeah. and, and I, I support public schools as well because they can be a great learning center for some of the kids but you know not everybody learns the same and i want to make sure that those opportunities available for those that need a different environment that they can have it so you are very much pro school choice i am yes all right so where did you go to high school i went to school at merrimack valley high school and you know it was the 70s and 80s, you know, Loudon grade school in the 70s was fantastic. I had a very good experience. It worked for me, you know, it, but my children, I chose to put them in Concord Christian School, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it was a choice that my wife and I at the time made and their mom, and that that was what we decided, and it, it, it was a struggle for us. There, there was no help. We, we did it on very low income, but, you know, we, we were able to make it work, and uh, my kids got the education that they've done well with it and they've both gone on to be very productive members of society and raising families of their own i i have four grandchildren of my own and, and heather has six so between us we have a baseball team of children and wow a baseball that, that team is amazing with a bench yeah. of grandchildren. yeah i guess so my, my <laughs> goodness uh wow that that is amazing and uh but the, the good part is that that school choice seems to be expanding the charter schools are, are growing it would seem and Heather, you can chime in because I'm sure you've had experience with uh, all the children you've had and, and grandchildren know, knowing about the, the subject, uh, about school choice here in New Hampshire. I am actually for school choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I appreciate the parents getting more involved in, the, in their kids' education. There's no way that I would have had time when my kids were little um, in, their grow- in growing up, but it's... My my uh, my children are amazing. Um, my daughters are great moms, and they have patience and um, energy to put into and make sure that my grandchildren, my six grandchildren, have a really good and proper education. Um, I worked hard as a as a mom putting my kids into school and trying to help them as much as I could, but. There's a there's a coin when you're um, a single parent and um, a stay-at-home parent. And I, I told my, my daughters, stay at home as long as you can. Yeah. If you can do it, do it. Um, again, I didn't get that choice. In, oh, my, I can't. My, my daughters have way more patience, and I have six of those daughters, and they are, yeah. <laughs> Very patient people. Yes. yes. So, Howard, when you were going to school, what was your favorite subject? 
Oh boy, now you're gonna uh, challenge uh, me. I, I am. Uh, I am. We want to know the time since Howard I Pearl behind the scenes. Here. Yes, challenge him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always really enjoyed math, yeah. uh, science, uh, yeah. history. I, I enjoyed that. I, yeah. I'm not the I'm not the best at it, but I always enjoyed learning about you know who we are, why why we are what we are as a country. You know, my family came over in the 1660s to, you know, to leave the oppression of the king and to start a new life here in the Americas. And they've been uh, involved in agriculture ever since they got here. And I've always been very honored to carry that tradition on. The house that Heather and I live in now, my family moved there in the late 1800s from another section of town called Pearl's Corner. I guess they were there long enough to get a section of town named after There you go. How many many people can say that, right? Right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've been been very blessed and very honored to to just carry on the family tradition in agriculture. We... uh, we live on right on top of Loudon Ridge on a section called Sabatis Heights. It's actually the highest point in town, right above our house. It's a beautiful it, spot. Oh, we yeah. have amazing yeah. views yeah. to yeah. the west. The yeah. sunsets are, are just incredible. Yeah, and you have a nice big new barn too. That's we right. do. Yeah. We do. Yes, we, we built a new barn. It's going to eventually be a, I believe, be a hay storage facility. We're still having some debate on that as yes. to what its future yeah. actually looks like. But yeah. uh, that's what the intended purpose. But it worked out well to serve as uh, Heather and I got married this summer, and we on a private ceremony on top of Mount Washington in July and we had a, another ceremony at the farm on October 1st to celebrate with family and friends and a full reception which we held in the new barn and then we had a second party for my uh, political campaign Oktoberfest which uh, Ken you came to and I hope you enjoyed I did very much so yeah and, uh, very so the, much the barn has served so far as a, as a function center but I yeah. I believe it may become a hay storage facility a hay storage <laughs> facility yeah, although well, we oh, did get okay. a lot of compliments as it being a, a function facility. <laughs> so we're, know, we're in that huge debate right I, now. I'll tell you, it, w- it would make a fabulous function yeah. facility, I yeah. think. Yeah, it would. Is, is that is that what you're pushing for? I, I'm hoping yeah. so, <laughs> but or it can have its multi-purpose. You know? there, there you go. We can because always move the hay out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, now you're thinking on the more lines of myself. <laughs> but but, uh, but especially in, in the fall, I mean, uh, the oh, day I was there, the, the foliage was just, absolutely beautiful oh uh, it was gorgeous i know many of the people who were there uh, at, at uh, your event uh, were, were taking pictures uh, yeah. of the the scenery that you have uh, right there so it was fantastic it, it is incredible well yeah. we are we are very blessed to have just gorgeous sunsets and you know we enjoy sitting on the sun porch or on the patio and yeah. having, having a little campfire and watching the sunset especially this time of year it, it, it's so it's just like fiery red in October yeah. and November. Oh, you can, yeah, it's yeah. like uh, Fruity Pebbles looking down on Fruity, fruity Pebbles. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. a good analogy. Yeah. Well, it yeah, does. It is. I've yeah. tried many times to capture it and post it on for my friends yeah. to share on Facebook. But, boy, these cameras just... Don't do it justice. They, they right? don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing in person. Yeah. It was funny. The other day I had a good friend, um, a hiker friend, uh, Eric Lacido, who came in and uh, wanted to photograph uh, some of the... The, our scenery around the farm and I was like sure and we took him around the tour of the farm and he took all these great fall foliage picture, pictures and it was just really it was just to see the look on his face and he's like wow this is really beautiful it's really amazing yeah oh it is amazing views from uh, from your from your place uh, which is terrific and uh, so we, we have to wrap things up in a couple of minutes it's really been a delight to have both of you 
in oh. studio. This was a, an added treat this, this morning. This was a to really have, good treat. To have Thank Heather you. here and uh, and uh, Heather and Howard, uh, the Pearls, and two weeks away uh, in a you know redistricted uh, uh, District 17 uh, with some new communities involved. And uh, so, uh, before we we go, Howard, do you have any final words to your uh, your constituents? I thank you, Ken. I, I want to thank the voters of, of my current district, 26, for uh, you know the three terms that they have uh, allowed me to serve them in the in the state house, and I certainly encourage the voters of District 17 to take a look at your options and be involved. and I and I would hope that I've earned your confidence and your vote on November 8th. It's uh, we we are so blessed in New Hampshire to have such an engaged citizenry and you know, in, in politics and they're, they're very educated and they take the time to learn and know the candidates and it's amazing that they do. So I always appreciate it and I just, I hope they'll get out and vote and hopefully they'll put an X beside my name and, and, and the whole Republican ticket. It's real important that we do. But I'm sure you'll be on the stump between now and then for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I certainly will. Been doing candidates nights and we've got a lot of sign waves coming up and many events. So, uh, Keep your eye out, and we'll be out in the community. Come say hi. And Heather, are you enjoying being a candidate's wife? Actually, it's been a, a really fun and interesting. He's taught me a lot about the politics and everything that's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you get I'm to meet fascinated. people like Tulsi yeah. Gabbard and, and like that, yourself. Uh, oh, like come me. on! Oh, sure, a local celebrity. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, great to have both of you here, Howard and Heather Pearl. And Howard, wish you the best uh, two weeks from today. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate Thank you very it. much. Always Thank enjoy being on the with you. All right, anytime. We'll be back after these words. Kale and Company continues. We'll talk a little hockey East with John Leahy right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live for this Tuesday. Great to have you along with us. And uh, joining us right now, our great friend, John Leahy. John, good morning to you. Ken, good morning. Hope the weather's great up there. It's uh, not too good down here in Mass. But... It's a kind of a dreary day, but uh, I know you, you will brighten it up for us over the next 10 minutes or so. <laughs> I'll try. And, and we'll try to talk about anything else except the Patriots. Oh, that was awful last night, wasn't it? Holy that, cow. That was dismal. John, you sound like you're right next door. It sounds like yeah, you're in we, the studio. Yeah, we have a great piece of equipment we're hooked into, Ken, my podcast mixer, and uh, guaranteed 100% accuracy. Oh, it, it sounds it sounds wonderful. Well, one week ago tonight, we were together at, uh, at North Andover, Massachusetts for the UNH Merrimack game, and... Uh, and uh, Merrimack uh, came out strong and uh, and and defeated uh, UNH handily. Great effort there for the for the Warriors in that one in their season opener in Hockey East. Yeah, not only was it their season opener, but it was their season opener at home. Yeah, and I think that uh, there was a lot of energy in the building. Merrimack had just lost uh, their assistant coach Josh Siako uh, suddenly. Uh, who passed away, and, and I know that uh, there was a lot of eagerness for Merrimack to get back uh, in front of the home fans and, and honor Josh, and I think it was very appropriate that UNH was the opponent because Josh, of course, played his college hockey there, but I thought Merrimack feeded off the energy. I thought that they had a sense of purpose and urgency from the get-go, and uh, really a solid effort for the Warriors to open up their hockey slate. No, it really and truly was, and uh, they had uh, UNH on their heels all night long, but uh, a very impressive uh, ceremony uh, prior to the game to honor Josh Siako, and uh, 
every player and uh, and the officials as well had uh, his name on the back of their jerseys, and it was uh, really a movie night. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the uh, other Merrimack assistants uh, sang the national anthem uh, that night, which was very impressive. Yeah, first of all, the agreement to have the name Siako on the back of the jerseys was agreed to ahead of time. Uh, Merrimack reached out to UNH. And uh, they were, of course, all on board with it. The officials got wind of it, and uh, it was great to have them uh, honor Josh as well. But, yeah, assistant Chris Ross sang the national anthem, and Chris is a celebrated musician. He uh, he plays uh, and sings on the South Shore frequently, and uh, Chris wanted to do that to honor Josh. In fact, right before he sang the song, he dedicated it to Josh. So um, probably wasn't a dry eye in the whole place, Ken, and uh, Chris knocked it out of the park with his rendition. Boy, he certainly did, and uh, a very uh, uh, emotional uh, rendition of the uh, the Star Spangled Banner as well. And then uh, the uh, Merrimack uh, victory 6-1 to one over uh, UNH, but uh, give us a little update, John, on what happened uh, this past weekend in, in men's hockey uh, in Hockey East. Well, the first thing you have to notice, I guess, is uh, how well UMass is playing. I mean, there was some question as to uh, could they bring back that level of skill? Could they bring back uh, the the level of success that they've had? Well, uh, they did play two non-league games against Union, and boy, were they impressive! Uh, they won seven to one on Friday and seven to nothing on Saturday. So Greg Carvel seems to have that team uh, locked in, and that's a scary thought for any team that plays them, whether it be a hockey East opponent or not. But um, you know, Boston College had a good uh, weekend. They had a win and a tie, a, uh, an impressive tie at Northeastern, which is a very difficult place to come out with points. Uh, BC just beat the UNH on Sunday 5 nothing, And, uh, you know, most of the teams, Ken, were 500 or better on the weekend. Lowell uh, with a 3-2 to two win at Northeastern. That was very impressive. And uh, so there are 11 teams in Hockey East, and Ken, eight of those 11 teams had a 500 record or better. So a great start for hockey, particularly in the non-league schedule. Uh, hockey East has held their own, which is very important for the end of the year when they do the pairwise calculations to uh, determine who gets into the national tournament. The only hockey East team that stumbled in non-league play was Providence as they lost a pair of games out in Denver to the national champions. But all in all, a very good weekend for the men. Uh, most of the teams 500 are over. Yeah, and uh, right now at the top of the pack in Hockey East, the Yukon Huskies. Yeah, what a great story they are. Uh, Yukon built is starting to build on the success they had last year. Mike Cavanaugh took the Huskies to the Hockey East Championship game at the Garden, losing to UMass, and they picked up right where they've left off. Uh, Yukon finally lost a game this weekend. They had their uh, season opening uh, winning streak snapped. UConn had been uh, undefeated in their first seven games, but they lost 5-2 to two at BU on Saturday after beating the Terriers uh, the night before. But, you know, I said this last year when we came across UConn, uh, this is a dangerous team, and uh, they're going to be very high in the standings. You know, there are some people that pick them to win uh, hockey this year. So it's certainly not a surprise to me to see UConn where they are and certainly a very dangerous opponent. No doubt about that. So what's uh, ahead this weekend for the Hockey East men? Well, you get back into action Thursday night. Ken BC will travel down to UConn. They'll play at the Excel Center in Hartford. And then league play really gets into uh, action this weekend uh, on Friday and Saturday. you get Merrimack and UMass playing a home-and-home home. Friday out in Amherst and then Saturday in North Andover. Northeastern heads up to Maine for a couple of games. 
So the Huskies will have their hands full. They are always a tough uh, experience when you go up to Alphonse. Providence and UNH will have a home-and-home Friday. They'll play in New Hampshire at the Whittemore Center, and then they'll uh, head back down to Providence on Saturday to finish up the weekend. And uh, BU and UMass Lowell will go head-to-head Friday in Lowell and then Saturday back in Boston. And Vermont has non-league action this weekend, Ken, as they head out to Hamilton, New York, to take on the Colgate Raiders. There you go. And uh, Merrimack uh, played Colgate this past weekend, and uh, you split a pair of games. Yeah, Merrimack looked terrific uh, the first night, a 5 nothing shutout, really checked all the boxes, in my opinion. Uh, Colgate is a very good, proud team, and I knew Don Vaughn was going to have that team ready on Saturday night. Colgate raced out to a 4 to nothing lead, and uh, they managed to... Uh, uh, they to maintain the game pretty well. Merrimack had a late uh, rally in the third period, but uh, unfortunately the Warriors dug themselves too much of a hole, and uh, Colgate wound up winning the game 5-3. But, Ken, this is college hockey. I mean, every team can beat any other team on any given night. There are some great teams out there. Colgate, uh, for the second week in a row, as a matter of fact, they were out in Arizona the week prior. Uh, they lost game one, then they rebounded with a 4 nothing shutout. So, uh Colgate, I knew they were going to answer the bell on Saturday. They did, and uh, Merrimack and the Raiders finished with a split. There was some talk a while back about expanding hockey east to Arizona. Is that still in the cards or in the works, or what's the status of that? I know there's been talk about it, but, Ken, to be honest, I think the league is very happy with 11 teams. Yeah. Um, you know, if the opportunity presented themselves, presented itself to add a 12th team, I know all the options would be considered. Um I'm sure Arizona has been talked about, but I know they're content with 11. The, the playoff structure works with 11 teams, so I don't think Hockey East is in any hurry to add a 12 team unless it's a perfect fit. Exactly. And uh, on the women's side of the ledger, I know you're doing uh, Merrimack uh, women's hockey this year as well as men's, and uh, Northeastern University uh, leading the way. Very impressive in the early going. Yeah, they're a powerhouse. They've been a powerhouse for a long time. Northeastern uh, finally lost the game this weekend up in Maine. Uh, they lost one nothing, so the Huskies wound up splitting. But uh, you know, there are, there are some very good women's teams over here. Five of the uh, ten teams have 500 or better records uh, overall. Uh, Northeastern uh, started off the weekend with a six to one win up in Maine, and then uh, they only gave up one goal on the second night, but Maine was able to shut them out. Mm. One to nothing, and, and Maine's gotten off to a great start. They've won three or four. BC and Providence both have won each of their four league games. So uh, I think Boston College had a great weekend uh, as they swept BU. Uh, UConn had a fine weekend. They beat Merrimack on the road and then tied them at home. And uh, you know you had Maine and Northeastern with 500 weeks. Providence swept UNH. So uh, again, you know the the, uh, the women highly competitive, and many of them have been a success so far. Uh, speaking of Northeastern University, I met their coach on uh, Sunday at the New Hampshire Legends of Hockey uh, Banquet in Concord. Uh, Dave Flint is the uh, longtime head coach at Northeastern and uh, played his high school hockey at Trinity High School in Manchester. So I had a chance to meet Dave, who was inducted as uh, a member of the uh, New Hampshire Legends of Hockey Hall of Fame. So he's had quite a run uh, at Northeastern with that women's program. Yeah, he sure has. Dave has been successful uh, for a long, long time, and uh, you know he's got a lot of talent to work with on that Northeastern team. I saw them a couple of weeks ago. They came up to Merrimack, and they are just loaded. They are loaded from top to bottom. They can roll four lines. 
defensively, they're as strong as ever. Uh, their goaltending is outstanding. This is a team that is in the national title conversation. And it would not surprise me if, if Northeastern uh, captured a national title. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if both the men and the women wow. won the national title. That's how special uh, Northeastern hockey is, although uh, the Huskies on the men's side have, have gotten off to a 500 start, but I think they're both very dangerous teams. All right, look out for those Northeastern Huskies. John <laughs> Leahy, thanks so much. Always great to have you as part of the program. You're part of the company here on Kale & Company Live, and we appreciate that. Ken, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much. I look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. And uh, thanks again to John. Thanks to uh, Heather Pearl, Howard Pearl, and uh, and to Kat. Kat returned today to produce the program and uh, always love having her in the building. That'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company. If you missed it, well, you can uh, tune in tonight a little after 7 o'clock and hear it again or hear it for the first time. We will see you tomorrow with Paul Hodes and the musical side of Paul Hodes right here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com.